Michiganders can be a superstitious bunch. We find all sorts of reasons to explain the world around us, sometimes pulling from science, sometimes tradition, and sometimes from our imaginations. What happens when we can't readily explain our experiences? And what happens when a ghost story gets out of hand? Do these legends stem entirely from fantasy, or are people seeing things no one can truly explain? I'm Krista K. Coburn. And I'm Kay Gray. Welcome to Haunted Mitten. Ann Arbor, what comes to mind? The University of Michigan, art fair, possibly awful traffic in the fall? But what doesn't immediately come to mind, at least to the regular resident, are ghosts. Ann Arbor is lively. It's vibrant. It has a lot of old buildings, but most are seamlessly integrated into modern life, and while looking down Main Street or State Street may give you the impression that you're stepping into the past, you may not feel the ghosts of the past brushing up against you. But even a college town like Ann Arbor has its share of secrets. Stepping into any of downtown's shops might give you a glimpse of a long-past shopper or a chill down your spine in summer. Tonight we'll be talking about just a few of these places and what we hope will be a city that we'll be visiting again on the podcast. Before we get into today's spooks, we'd like to talk a little bit about what we're doing here. I don't mean on this planet or anything so existential, but what this podcast is about. We wanted to give you a little clearer idea of what Haunted Mitten is trying to do. It's probably fairly apparent, but a little explanation never hurts. So when we started, oh, years ago, (laughs) this was just a blog about haunted locations, first in America, then narrowed down to just Michigan, because I couldn't seem to find a ghost website that both did their research and had a comprehensive list of sightings and experiences. My beloved Shadowlands hadn't updated in a long time and still hasn't, and anything else I found just wasn't what I was looking for. So when you can't find what you want, you create it. So I've been long fascinated by things we can't readily explain. Uh, I had my first inexplicable encounter when I was four. That was a long time ago. (laughs) What I discovered when I started looking even casually into popular ghost stories is that a lot of them are completely made up. Not the experiences, but the stories. And these stories usually involve real people, often women, who are being vilified and victimized with every retelling uh, Sarah McMillan from the Ada Witch story and the Frisk family of the Hell's Bridge story are prime examples. And this really bothered me. And so Haunted Mitten was born. It was just going to be a blog, but I'd been dragging my feet with it for ages, asked Krista, and not feeling inspired at all to finish and publish it. And then one day I said to Krista, hey, what if we did a podcast? And here we are. We'd already had some experience with the medium. Krista is one of the hosts of Cinema Guano, a podcast all about the weird and crazy films out there, and I'm a frequent guest. So it felt a little more natural for us to take this on, and with all the research we've already done, well, all we needed was a place to record. And thanks to the Ann Arbor District Library, we have that. Thank you, library. Thanks. With this podcast, we hope to create a comprehensive guide to all things paranormal within Michigan. Occasionally, we'll step outside our mitten and bunny, shape tape. I still maintain that the UP is a jackrabbit. I will show pictures to prove it. (laughs) 
But for the most part, we're going to explore our home and discover all the things that go bump in the night on a local scale. We hope to bring you the history, legends, truth, and experiences of all the places Michiganders call haunted. What we know to be true may not be so, but that doesn't mean that there aren't still great stories and creepy sightings to go along with a location. This isn't about denying experiences or proving the existence of ghosts and cryptids. We're here to tell stories, both true and legend, and create a place where you can come and learn about all those places you tell your friends about around the campfire. So we hope you'll join us and continue to join us on our spooky tour through Michigan. Okay, I think that's it for business. On with the show. Let's begin with a building that you may have driven by a thousand times before, but paid little to no attention to. It sits on a stretch of Washtenaw Avenue that sees a lot of traffic, and if you're not turning into its driveway, you may not notice it as you whiz by. The Hoover Mansion sits tall on its own little hill, watching the cars and students go by below. Built in 1917 by Leander J. Hoover, owner of the Hoover Steel Ball Company, the French Chateau-style mansion was sat on 24 acres and included a gazebo and a greenhouse. It boasted its own theater and ballroom. Unfortunately, Hoover wasn't able to enjoy much time in his grand mansion. He passed away in 1918 of influenza, and his family didn't stay long afterward. The house was sold in 1922 to the Kappa Sigma fraternity, and from then on exchanged a few owners. It's currently owned by University Bank. Back in the 1980s, it was Group 243 Inc., an advertising firm, and that's where a lot of the ghost sightings we came across are from. The most popular sighting seems to be of Leander Hoover himself. Old employees have said they've seen a man in 1900s dress standing on the back porch. One written account from a photo posted on Flickr described there being shadow people that felt quote-unquote dark. Other reports from the same photo talk about doors opening by themselves, lights going on and off, and more than once an unplugged copy machine decided to get some work done on its own. Unfortunately, we can't seem to find any accounts more recent than those on Flickr posted five or six years ago. So if you or anyone you know can add to this story, send us an email at contacthauntedmitten at gmail.com. Leander isn't the only specter to be found in Ann Arbor, however. If you continue heading west and a little north, you'll come across the Gandhi Dancer. It's an incredibly popular restaurant in Ann Arbor with an excellent brunch menu. But it also comes with a historic and deep past. The Gandhi Dancer is nestled within the old Michigan Central Railroad Depot, built in 1886. According to an anonymous, well-respected employee quoted in MLive, it was used as a temporary holding place for soldiers who died during World War I, where they sat until they were claimed. Those that weren't were stored in the basement. But after World War II, cars became the most popular way to travel, and the depot's business slowed to a crawl. It gained back some business in the 60s, when both Kennedy and Nixon stopped there to give speeches on their whistle-stop campaigns, but it wasn't nearly as busy as it had been previously. In 1970, it was sold to Chuck Muir, and the Gandy Dancer, named after a slang term for railroad workers, was established. Chuck Muir's store might be as fascinating as the Gandy Dancer's. All accounts say that he was a congenial man and he owned a lot of restaurants across multiple states. And then, in 1993, along with his wife and two other friends, he disappeared during bad weather while sailing from the Bahamas in a 40-foot sailboat, which is right along the edge of the Bermuda Triangle, I'm just saying. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> That's nuts! I, yeah, I, when I looked that up on a map, I thought, oh my gosh, how, how weird! <laughs> That's just as fun as the ghost stories. I Oh, um, <laughs> all of the articles about the disappearance as well, including a blog 
Retro Kimmer, which I'm not sure what that is, but oh yeah, it was a very strange blog. Um, <laughs> those were all like the mysterious disappearance of of Chuck Muir. A lot of them conveniently forgot that there were three other people with him. Um, <laughs> I, he was a pretty well known guy. It sounds like he was a pretty good businessman. Owned a lot of businesses. Yeah, in multiple pretty states. Active around town. Yeah, a lot in Florida. He did a lot here in Michigan and a lot in Florida. They all disappeared. And according to, I was reading the Retro Kimmer blog, who thinks it was a murder, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> the article was entitled Murder at Sea. It's very easy to make a conspiracy out of it, but it was a very bad storm. It's just four people in a sailboat, no matter how big. A lot of people in articles I was reading, they weren't the only boat to be lost out there during that storm. There were... There are other, unfortunately, missing persons um, from the same area, but they were still lost in the Bermuda Triangle. Yes. That's Which, awesome. Obviously, a lot of people are lost. I mean, it's not awesome. There, but it is an interesting little side note that he disappeared in the Bermuda Triangle and owned this haunted building. And owned this haunted building. <laughs> I wonder if, you know, we didn't go too deep into Chuck Muir and all of his other businesses, but I wonder if any of his other restaurants are haunted. It'd be haunted by him. Oh, I wish this one was. Ooh. We don't have any names to go with the sightings of paranormal experiences at the Candy Dancer. It doesn't seem like anyone wants to be officially attached to a ghost sighting, but there have been plenty of experiences reported to go around. People have seen lights turn upside down, whatever that means, and glasses fly off shelves. A well-dressed man has been seen within the restaurant as well. Maybe that is Chuck Muir. And we wonder if there aren't still some soldiers left over from World War One, too, if that story turns out to be true, which it may not be. At least we couldn't find it in any Ann Arbor history we searched through, but maybe we just missed something. That's not to say any soldiers never saw the station, alive or dead, sadly. It was the main station in this area, and plenty of soldiers said goodbye to their loved ones on their way to war. As a major place of transition, trains going in, trains going out, there could be people waiting to board or waiting for someone to arrive. Have you ever longed to be somewhere so much that you dream about being there? What if this phenomenon is something like that? That's an interesting thing to bring up because yes, yes, I have. Yeah, I absolutely have. That's a really good point. Like what if it's these soldiers that died, you know, overseas on the battlefield mm -hmm. and they were thinking about home so strongly that somehow they manifested here or energy is now here? I don't know. That's a really good point. Truthfully, I haven't looked too much into that side of, of hauntings. So I quite literally don't know. Yeah, because we really don't know what ghosts are. There's what we think ghosts are, what we right. say ghosts are. And we also say that there are different kinds of ghosts, residual hauntings, poltergeists, lots of different things. So yeah, I don't know. That was just an interesting thought that I had. Wanted to throw that out there for people to... Oh, for out. sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a good thought. I wish that we had more... I wish that we had names to go with the people... I'm sure that employee is very well respected, but when I only have an anonymous article in a newspaper to go on it? I don't know. I just wish we had a little bit more. But like for both yeah. of these places, I highly doubt if we had gone to University Bank that they would have told us anything about hauntings. I don't know. To be fair, we didn't try. No. It is a bank. It is in use. It just didn't yeah. seem like the kind of place that I could just walk in and be, hey, so you know any good ghost stories? It is a beautiful building, though. I it like really driving is. by it. And I wish the Gandy Dancer had a little bit more. The Gandy Dancer is on plenty of haunted Michigan websites, but it's all the same information. 
Yeah, I don't know where they're getting this information. No, and that's why I want names to go along with who's who's talking about their experiences because I just want to be able to either find those people or just have a little bit more concrete evidence versus, oh, people say this is haunted. People say they've seen a well-dressed man. Who's the people? Do we have any photos? Do we have any video? Does it happen repeatedly? Was it just the one time someone... Yeah, it's yeah. very vague about what actually happens. Unfortunately, yeah. But it's still cool. I still would like to go. It's still... It's a beautiful building. Yeah. It really is if you can go. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Regardless, it's a great piece of history of Ann Arbor. It was our railroad station, and it's partially why Ann Arbor is a place and a thing, and as even as big as it is now, because we have and have and have had... Um, a railroad stop. That's pretty important. On the Detroit-Chicago line. Yes. Too, specifically. Okay, so when we first started this project, even when it was going to be a blog, we started asking people, oh, hey, do you have any ghost stories? And one of our friends said, no, I don't, but there's this house. I walk by there on my way to work every morning, and it just looks haunted. And it's it's gorgeous. It's one of the only, one of two, I think, Italianate houses in Ann Arbor. Most of them have been torn down. And Italianate is my favorite kind of architecture of the Victorian era. It's gorgeous. It's really pretty. But when you look at pictures of the house, it is pretty spooky. It's pretty spooky. And it's not the kind of Victorian we, especially in Michigan, are used to seeing. Um, It wasn't popular for very long for some weird reason, because it's amazing. I think we do a lot, typically do a lot more Georgian style around here, which is fine. (laughs) Just... All right. It's pretty. <laughs> it's got columns, whatever. Yeah, so it's it's unique. It definitely stands out, especially in that area. It is the only other one I can think of is many, many blocks away, um, actually near the library. It's the Indian restaurant. So it is called the Peter Brehm House, B-R-E-H-M. And the legend attached to it that our friend had heard was that uh, it was haunted by someone who had died in the house and that a skeleton had been found in the house when they were renovating it. They found it in a, a trunk or something. So, of course, that thinks, oh, hidden murder. Someone was murdered and stashed in the house, and now they haunt it. No. <laughs> just flat out, no. <laughs> this is another one where I'm going to say, no, no, the urban legend is just that. It's a myth. I did consult with the Ann Arbor District Library. Um, they have an option called Ask Us or Contact Us. And you can ask pretty much any question. They'll research it for you. But it's really great if you want to know anything about history. Old news is another option. So what the librarian found for me, I believe this was Elizabeth. Thank you, Elizabeth. She consulted with a local historian who actually wrote an article about the house. They didn't find any evidence that the renovation uncovered anything, nothing, no articles about a skeleton being found. Uh, Peter Brem, however, did kill himself in the house. His story is pretty fascinating. He was one of the first brewers in Ann Arbor. And no one really knows why he killed himself, but he shot himself on, I believe it's the second floor. So if it's haunted, it has a tragic past. It could be. Now, it used to be an Oddfellows Lodge for a time. And I will say, Oddfellows Lodges, when people renovate them now, because there aren't very many left, they have been finding skeletons. They use skeletons in their... Um, I don't know if it's their initiation ceremony or their ascendance ceremony, but they do use skeletons. A lot of secret societies have a history of that. And a lot of the skeletons were, in fact, real skeletons. Some were fake, but some were really, they really were real. But yeah, the Oddfellows did use skeletons in their ceremonies, and uh, occasionally people do find them. 
when they buy the house and they're renovating. And they do find them in closets or trunks or where have you. I guess wherever you would stash a skeleton. <laughs> wherever they fit. <laughs> so Closets. This being a former Oddfellows Lodge, could there have been a skeleton? Yeah, they could have left it behind when they departed. Sure. But as for it being uh, Peter Brem's skeleton, very unlikely. I'm sure he was buried by his family. Right. He left behind, I think, his wife and children. So, because right, I believe his son took over the brewery. So, yeah, someone did die there. He killed himself. A skeleton might have been found there, but there's no evidence of that. Are they related? Very unlikely. If a skeleton was even found, very unlikely. But, yeah, the house does have a pretty tragic story. Yeah, that's awful. I would love to talk to someone who's actually been in there. It's, it's been home to a number of businesses since the family moved. Well, I found Peter Brem's uh, gravestone on Find a Grave. He is buried in Forest Hill. Okay. In Ann Arbor. But So that's a, I can't say a fun story, but it's an interesting story from Ann Arbor's past. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah, the Brem family was pretty, I don't know about prominent, but they're certainly well known. They're one of the first brewers in the area. And again, Germans liked their beer. Uh, yeah. And then we get into the whole prohibition fight. <laughs> right, because this is back in like And their home the was 1800s. on the west side of town. That's true. So. It's all coming together, guys. Yeah. For a long time, it was home to the movable feast. And they, they do not claim to have found any skeletons when they were moving in. The movable feast did move out. I forget when. Not too awful long. Oh, it looks like it's an office building. Okay, that makes sense. It's a pretty big house, too. Um, The Brem family was doing all right for themselves. Yeah, it has, uh, looks like it has many businesses inside. So I think it's broken up into office suites. As a lot of the old buildings were. Oh, yeah. Especially on that side of town, yeah. Yeah, Brem founded the Western Brewery in 1861. um, But it was under different ownership by like 20 years later. So he did become wealthy as a brewer, hence the amazing home. Oh, yeah. But I don't know if he... Suffered from depression. There was no hint of scandal was ever found. Just that he shot himself in the forehead with a pistol. Pretty tragic. But he is definitely buried in an arbor, so his skeleton. Yes, they did not find his skeleton. Was not. It's Again, it's a fun little urban legend. And, and while no evidence could be found of a skeleton having been found in the house, knowing that it was an odd fellow's lodge, I'm not going to rule it out. No, it's a distinct possibility, and that's... Yeah. Good enough for me. Yeah, you can Google this. Just a few years ago, I think um, somebody in Portland found one. So, yeah, it happens. It was a thing. It was a big thing. Because the Oddfellows, by far, were not the only ones to use a skeleton oh, in right. their secret ceremonies. was the Harvard group. I think they did, too. Fraternities were fond of it. <laughs> Silly fraternities. Yeah, it was a thing. Use, having skeletons around, using them in your secret doings, that was a, th- that was a thing. It was a very popular thing. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to rule out the possibility that a, that a skeleton was found, but I don't think it was nefarious. I think it was probably the odd fellows just being lazy and not picking up after themselves when they left. <laughs> Darn you, odd fellows. Yeah, or, or they were just like, haha, this will be funny. Right. I think it's <laughs> more like, oh, we have no use for this. Yeah. You know what would be really funny? <laughs> Something I would do. Yeah, absolutely. And what I did want to mention, because I just, whenever I mention Haunted Ann Arbor, people immediately jump to the Dixboro Ghost, but that is actually outside the boundaries of Ann Arbor, so that will be a future episode. And probably one almost devoted to itself. Yes, that is. There's a lot. Yeah, that's an incredible story. Yeah, so if you're wondering why we haven't included it, it's because it's coming, but it deserves more than being tacked on to the end of one of the Ann Arbor episodes, because it's... One, not in Ann Arbor, and two, deserves its own. Oh, yeah. That one, you can, we can go so in-depth with that one. It's fantastic. And I think we will. 
I'm excited to get to this next one. <laughs> we have a lot to talk about. You might not be surprised by it, even if it hasn't been on any ghost websites and isn't on everyone's top list for haunted locations in Michigan. Crazy Wisdom Bookstore and Tea Room has been a staple in the downtown Ann Arbor community for decades. If you need a book on religion, mysticism, or yes, even ghosts, where I have gotten quite a few of mine, it's the bookstore for you. You can grab the latest in the yoga theory, head upstairs, and enjoy a cup of tea, all while people watching shoppers outside below you. Now, I don't know for certain what is behind these activities, but strange things definitely do occur. Crazy Wisdom opened at this location in 1999, but the building itself has been around since at least 1857, and it has a lot of the original features as well. It's gorgeous. The first occupants were another name Ann Arborites might recognize, Hutzel & Company. August Hutzel opened a grocery store back in 1887, and as the village of Ann Arbor grew, so did his company. You might know it better now as Hutzel Plumbing and Heating, it's amazing that they've been going strong for so long. This is wonderful. It really is. And I didn't, Hutzel came to, Hutzel comes to our museum to uh, do work and things like that. And yeah. it didn't dawn on me that it was even like an Ann Arbor company until you did the research and we're talking about it. And I was like, wait a minute, I know that name. Wait a minute. I just said hi to one of their employees. Yeah. If you see uh, like their vans or trucks were driving around, it's like, oh my gosh, that's fantastic that they're still going and that they've adapted considerably. Yeah. Starting out as a grocery store and now they're a plumbing company. That's fantastic. Their story is pretty fascinating too. We won't go into it because we're talking about ghosts, but we did. A, about the, the building, but yeah. We did research on them too and it was it's cool to just have them around since 1857. Yeah. That's nuts. That's such a long time. There are rumors that the upstairs of Crazy Wisdom was a speakeasy during Prohibition, but we're not able to corroborate the stories with any hard evidence. Although that doesn't necessarily mean that it wasn't a speakeasy, as half the point was for it to be hidden. But there's nothing substantial to prove it. In the 50s, the building was a singer. We assume a sewing store of some kind. Although there's not much information on that either. And then, all the way in 1999, Crazy Wisdom moved in from their location on 4th Avenue. Since then, it's been a staple bookstore in the community, possibly for more than just its corporeal residence. We were eager to get to this one because we have some personal experience with the store, and that includes its resident ghosts. Oh, absolutely. Do I ever have personal experience with Crazy Wisdom? Krista, take it away. (laughs) So I, I currently am a staff writer and editor for the Crazy Wisdom Journal, so I am still associated with them. Um, but I worked in the building for five to six years, and I'm, I'm still there fairly often. I know this place pretty well. Yes. Um, so some of the things that happened just while I was there, um, the most famous one, the first story, actually, after I started, I was told about the water taps in the tea room. And I started it in 2012, so this is pretty recently. Longtime employees up there told me about this, and they experienced it frequently. It was very annoying. So overnight, while no one is there, the water taps would turn on full blast or almost full blast. And the explanation we were given was like, well, they're loose taps. So maybe trucks driving by outside has loosened them, they've turned on. And I thought, well, that's weird, but I hadn't experienced it. So I just thought, okay, well, it's whatever. And then one night, I was the last one to leave and we do a walk around when you close, you make sure everything's, you know, working or closed off, lights are turned off. Um, And one of the things they specifically mentioned was check the water taps, make sure they're off. They were off. I was the first person in the building the next day. They were on and they were not trickling. This was not a little stream. They were on. I had to turn them several times around to turn them off. So I finally experienced the water taps. And it it was, I mean, it was to the point where 
the water bill was high. I mean, these are taps going almost full blast for hours until they're discovered. Um, another employee, uh, was, I believe she's a former manager, uh, she had left again, was the last person to leave for the night, made sure the tops were off, realized she had forgotten her phone, I think. She'd forgotten something in the tea room. So she came back at about one o'clock in the morning and the taps were on. And she was so mad. <laughs> <laughs> right, because this isn't like, I, sure, I'm sure some people would find that, you know, very scary. These taps right. are a supposed <laughs> ghost or whatever, but when you work there, that's just the most annoying thing on the planet. It was, and they were getting in trouble, like, guys, be sure you turn the water taps off. And they they were. They were checking them. We all checked them. We all made sure the damn things were off. But no, they they would turn on. And it was expensive, and it's wasteful. It's extremely wasteful. <laughs> Thanks a lot, ghosts. Yeah. So that was an ongoing thing. That was the first story I was told um, when starting there was these water taps. And I did experience that for myself. And I yeah, I was not scared. I was <laughs> I was really ticked off. Yeah. When I discovered it. Of course. It's wasting water. I, yeah, I was like, really? Come on now. You got to stop doing this. Did they listen? No. Dang it. No, they did not. <laughs> as far as I know, that's still happening. And they, I mean, they had multiple plumbers in. Why is this happening? Why is this happening? And all they could say is, well, they're loose. Well, tighten them. I mean, that's why we called you. And it was, it was so ridiculous. So yeah, stupid water taps. And probably a lot of former current maybe tea room employees will go, oh my God, yes. Um, and my first experience, however, was not the water tops, my actual experience. It was, I think, a few weeks into the job and I was on the second floor shelving books at close. We just, you know, tidying up and things. And the tea room person was finished with their tasks. So they asked if they could go, if I was okay with closing by myself or closing up by myself. And I said, yeah, that's fine. I, the building never really spooked me out, at least not up to this point. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> At least not a few weeks weeks into well, the job. Yeah, we'll get there. So I, I I said that I would turn off the lights and you know close down the second floor for them. I wasn't really wasn't worried. But then as soon as they were gone, I started to feel this kind of weirdness in the air that wasn't there before. I guess like a presence kind of. It just it was like the whole atmosphere shifted, and uh, I felt almost like it was like electrical or something. It was really strange. But I kind of brushed it off. I was just like, oh, it was weird. Whatever. Keep shelving books. But it was, it was like this heavy kind of feeling on my skin. It was very tingly. Um, and then I noticed as I looked over that the, the lights in the tea room were flickering. It was over the front counter. They have these sort of chandelier, um, antique chandeliers and uh, sconces along the back wall. And I thought, well, that's odd, but this building is old. I thought maybe it's old wiring. I don't know. I didn't really know. I just thought it was strange. Uh, so I just... Turned off the lights, went, you know, went home like normal. And then the next day I came in and I asked the tea room manager, hey, are the lights in the tea room known to flicker? And he gave me this really weird look and was like, no. <laughs> crazy person? Yeah. What's like, wrong with like you? I was crazy. <laughs> uh, I was like, new oh. girl. I said, well, they were last night. <laughs> so yeah, the lights are not known to flicker, but they were definitely flickering. And it was just those lights. It wasn't the lights outside. It wasn't. Any of the street lights, nothing. It was just those lights. And the lights downstairs were fine on the main floor and in the basement. They were not flickering. It was just the sconces behind the tea room counter and then the lights over the counter. Weird. Very weird. <laughs> that was my first kind of, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Can I just say that it's t also taking me down memory lane a little bit because we lived together yeah. when you first started it. Crazy wisdom. Yeah. I'm and I remember you coming home to tell me these stories. Yeah. 
So that's... And that's not the only story about the lights either. <laughs> no, I know. You uh, have more. That's the only flickering one. Um, but yeah, one night after close, it was um, the manager and I think someone else downstairs. So there are two people on the main floor and then the one person in the tea room. And the tea room person came down the stairs looking just pale and terrified, just white as a sheet. And so, of course, the downstairs people say, what's wrong? What's wrong? Are you okay? Did someone stay in the store or something? And she had been counting the drawer upstairs and was done with that, turned around, probably to check the, make sure the water taps were off. Because <laughs> that was like, that was a serious thing that we, it was drilled into us. We had to check these every night. And she turned around and as soon as her back was to the register, a piece of glass fell and shattered on the register, like where she had just been working. And she looks up and the chandelier is swinging wildly. And that was a piece of glass from the chandelier. The chandeliers don't move. There are fans up there, but they don't move anything. It's just kind of to circulate the air because, again, it's an old building. So there was no reason for this to have been swinging like it did. The, the chandeliers do not move. Yeah, I've been up there dozens, if not hundreds of times at this point, and nothing has ever... Yeah, they're light fixtures. They don't move. They're not supposed to move. No. This isn't California and earthquakes. And it was the only one moving. The other chandeliers were not moving. It was just that one. Yeah. And the way that the glasses fit into the fixture, it's fit into the fixture. You'd have to pull it out. They're not just going to fall. It was very strange. Um, And she was incredibly spooked. Whatever that was, it was strange for that to happen. And often the lights in the basement would stop working. And that was another one we'd have people come in and look at and they would go, I don't know. (laughs) There was a lot of things. I think the repairmen were so sick of us calling them. AT&T was extremely sick of us calling them. That's another story. So, yeah, the lights were weird. And it was something we just kind of were annoyed by, but we just dealt with it. And the taps were just... Right. So far, this isn't like a scary ghost. This is just an annoying jerk of a ghost who's I mean, just the, trying to mess with you. The tear room play was definitely scary, especially yes. because the glass fell and she had just been standing there. And if she had been, still been there, it could have cut her and, and things like that. Right. That seems a, didn't. Uh, right. It seems a little scary, but it also, and this is my believer point of view coming out, it also seems more playful in that if that ghost was planning on doing that, it could have dropped that glass any time when she was standing there and it didn't. So, so far, this ghost is just a jerk who likes wasting money and water. Yeah, who has no sense of modern economy. Uh, (laughs) Uh, Brushed up on your economics, ghost. Yeah, jeez. So books jumping off the shelves are pretty common. I imagine a lot of bookstores will have stories about that. I feel like that's a regular bookstore haunting. Yeah. So I had a customer once who came in and she asked if we had a particular book. We didn't have that book. And she said, oh, well, it's okay. I'll just go and one will jump off the shelf at me and that'll be what I need. And I said, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) I kind of knew what she meant, but I wasn't sure how metaphorical (laughs) she meant it. From customers in that store? No, who knows? Right. And she meant it very literally. She said, no, I often come in the store. I don't know what I'm looking for. Um, So I just kind of, you know, browse And she said, eventually a book will fall off the shelf at my feet. And I pick it up. And sure enough, that's exactly what I was looking for and didn't know kind of thing. So she actually used this as part of her shopping technique. (laughs) I want to use that. That's amazing. So, yeah, try going into Crazy Wisdom and telling the store, hey, star, what do I need? What what book do I need to read and see if a book jumps off the shelf? I'm going to walk in. And the manager who knows me is going to just look at me. Well, look at me like I'm crazy when I say this out loud. To the ghosts in the 
store? I don't know, because she does know you. That's true. Good point. <laughs> and she's had, I don't know if she's had experience in the store, but she has had her own experience. That's a good so. point. <laughs> but, so that's one story of ghosts jumping off the shelves. <laughs> Another one was, uh, there was an employee again shelving stray books upstairs, left her clothes, and a few fell off the shelf next to her. And she looked down and they were, I believe, Edgar Casey books, which is kind of funny because it was him. But yeah. yeah, they were books that did not belong upstairs. They belonged on the main floor. And it was, she felt as if the store was telling her, like helping her, hey, these books belong downstairs. But it also, <laughs> she was a little creeped out by it yeah. too, because she was like, I didn't need you to tell me that. Right. <laughs> I didn't ask for help. So while not a particularly scary thing, it was, again, maybe being helpful I mean, there's a definite presence in the store. Right. Whether that is like the store itself, kind of the energy that the store creates. Was it genus loci? I can't remember the Latin term. But the spirit of a place. Yes. It could be that. I don't know. Books jumping off the shelves, being helpful. But this one is my favorite. I was here for this one. Again, this was glorious. (laughs) (laughs) This is my favorite story, I think. Uh, so I was working one night with another employee who I believe earlier we'd been talking with a patron or someone and saying that she emphatically said, I do not believe in ghosts. I do not believe in God. I don't believe in anything. Which is interesting how she worked there. But she's very emphatic. I do not believe in ghosts. I do not believe in the afterlife. When you're dead, you're dead. That's it. So later when we were closing and it was just the two of us on the main floor and one person in the tea room, uh, she went to the back of the store to put some books away. And while she was back there, a book jumped off the shelf. And she comes, a few minutes she comes up to me. I was doing the register. I was up front. All I know is she goes to the back of the store and a minute later she comes up like stiff walking. She's white as a sheet, terrified, so terrified she can't walk properly. Wow. And I look at her, I'm like, what's wrong? She goes, go to the back of the store. I'm like, oh, is somebody back there? Because we'd have problems sometimes people don't want to leave. She said, go to the back of the store. It's a book on the floor. Look at it. And I'm like, okay, whatever, weirdo. And, she, <laughs> and you know, I'm kind of laughing at her and she goes, go to the back of the store. And, like, she is very serious. I'm like, okay, 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 fine. I'll go to the back. I'll look at the book. I'm like, what book is it? She's like, just go. Okay. So I go back there. There's a book on the floor. I pick it up. It's Ann Arbor Area Ghosts by Mimi Updegrove. <laughs> <laughs> and she had not been near that shelf. She had been on a, a perpendicular shelf and heard it flop and turned around and saw what it was and was terrified it came up front. Oh, my gosh. And she would not go to the back of the store again thing until she left (gasps) she was really spooked oh my goodness i thought it was hilarious i was like good show (laughs) right (laughs) when you don't have that fear and you already kind of have that belief this is funny when you don't have that belief you are staunchly against that belief yeah and you've never experienced it that's terrifying yeah to go from i don't believe in ghosts and then literally a book of ghosts falls off the shelf behind you as if mocking you it was right it was really funny. We're here. Yeah. So that was, that was a good one. <laughs> and then another time. There's more. Yeah. This oh, is. So, so we didn't we didn't rush through the other two on purpose. There's yes. not a lot there. But we did really want to get to this one just because of the personal experiences. Yes. And, and also people who work in the store and the owners of the store find it very interesting. Yes. They're not like, oh, this place isn't haunted. They're just like, wow, really? You guys experience stuff? This is cool. We should we should keep a logbook. Right. The owner, he, he just thinks it's utterly fascinating. Yeah. I've talked to him several times about it. 
So another night I was there with a different coworker, same night, I think, actually, but different coworker, or same night of the week, I should say. Um, we had a, a guy, <laughs> I remember it so clearly, he came hurrying down the stairs, like this man was on a mission kind of thing. He came hurrying down the stairs and just like ran out the front door. And my coworker and I kind of looked at each other and we were like, okay, that was weird. And then a moment later, a woman comes out and she's a woman that we know. She sometimes has done work in the store. Funnily enough, I know her from a previous job. And she says, oh, did a man just leave? And we said, was he in a hurry? And she said, oh, probably. And we said, yeah, he's outside. And she's like, oh, okay, that's my, I think it was her fiance. And so she tells us this story. Well, we were sitting upstairs in the community room, which is a room in the back that people can rent out for different events. A friend of ours rented it out for a book uh, release party. But if there isn't an event going on, people can go and sit and have tea and hang out and whatever. So they were in there having tea when they heard a growl, like an animal growl. Mm -hmm. And they look around thinking like, well, gosh, what was that? And he's kind of spooked a little bit because they obviously that's not what they're expecting to hear. But she's going, oh, well, maybe there's an animal in here. Um, there's an escape stairs outside. And, and animals have been found on the stairs outside the window. But they're looking around. They don't see anything. And she's really looking. And he's just freaked out. <laughs> and it's like, I don't like that. That sounded like angry. Like, And he was not a believer. She is a believer. He is not a believer. Mm-hmm. But it spooked him. And he literally fled the store. That man ran out that door. <laughs> it was, oh, no. And we kind of, and my coworker and I kind of laughed when she told this story. And she said, I think maybe there's a spirit or something upstairs. I don't know. Do you want to come with me and see if you can find the source of this growl? So I did. I went upstairs with her and she pointed out the corner. There was nothing there. We looked on the fire escape, nothing there, nothing. I mean, there's absolutely nothing. So I went back downstairs and my coworker said, oh, was it, did it come from this corner? And I said, yeah, that was the corner it came from. And she's a self-identified, clairvoyant, psychic, sensitive person. Okay. So she said, oh, I asked my guides and we looked and there's a spirit of a, of a cat in the corner and it's scared. It followed somebody in and it stayed and now it's, it's confused, it's scared, and that's what was growling. So she used her spirit guides to help the animal cross over. Okay. And nothing <laughs> after that. There was no growling. There was nothing. That was the only time we heard the growling the one time, but... That was a, sort of an interesting experience. And yet, for that store, it seems completely normal it's to completely me. It's completely normal. Things like that happen all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, just, you know, you have an employee there that's self-proclaimed clairvoyant. And yep. <laughs> there's yep. helping animals in the store cross yeah. over to the other side. Seems very crazy wisdom to me. Yeah. She's a really great person. She did a house blessing for me when I moved into my new home. And she's great. So it was totally... It just seemed like a normal Friday night. <laughs> it honestly did. <laughs> it does. It really did. There's also the giggling in the basement. Yeah, I don't like that one. Um, That's the one I don't like. And it, yeah, these things happen to me and I'm just like, huh. <laughs> it's just, it sounds scary. And sometimes when I think about it, I think, gosh, I should have been scared. But I really wasn't at all. I didn't feel threatened. But one night I was in the basement by myself. There was one other person in the building, but she was on the, the top floor. So she was two stories above me. Uh, I was at the elevator, and the elevator is old. I believe it's, I was told it's vintage from the 1920s. So uh, It's old. It's old. It's, it's, it's not fun to be in. It's an actual door that you open, and then there's an accordion door, and yeah, it's old. Some of you may be familiar with this kind of elevator. Many of you probably are not. <laughs> it's that old. So I had the door open. I was pulling things out of the elevator, and I heard from the other side of the door this kind of giggling. I mean, it sounded like little girls giggling, like this hee 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 
that's what it sounded like. And I kind of stood up and I thought, I know there's nobody else here with me. I know if I turn and look, no one's going to be there. So I did. Sure enough, nobody was there. No idea. And I thought, okay, well, I'm going to finish up and go. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go now. (laughs) I didn't really flee, but it kind of raised the hairs on the back of my neck a little bit. Because it really did. I have nieces, and it really did sound like two little girls giggling together, conspiring, you know, sounded exactly like that. And then several months later, I overheard two other employees talking about hearing giggling in the basement. And so I jumped into that conversation, and I said, oh, you've heard it too? And then the first woman who had heard it said, oh, thank God, someone else has heard it. It's not just me. (laughs) And then the third employee's like, what? What are you guys talking about? And then when I posted on Facebook that I wasn't the only one that had heard the giggling. Other people responded and said, oh, no, you're definitely not former employees. They said they had heard it, too. So, I don't know. No, that's the one that gets me. I don't I don't like, chil- like disembodied children's voices. I can do without. You could send a grown man scary ghost after me totally fine. You give me young children giggling in a dark basement, and I am, I'm done. That's it. And it was, it was pretty dark. Um, what one person suggested was that they were fairies which crazy wisdom does have ann arbor in general has fairy doors look it up it's fun and crazy wisdom has two so that was one thing it's like well if we ended up with fairies i mean we literally invited them in we gave them a place to stay (laughs) right so ann arbor there's a little fairy house actually in the front of the store so we literally gave them a house to live in ann arbor is very fairy centric we we do that very well yeah, some buildings, not so much anymore. But when I first right. moved here, the fairy door thing was huge. And yeah, we've lost a few. But. We've lost some. But you can still find them. There's maps. You can see where all the old ones are because the maps haven't been updated. It's sad. But there's still some. It is. And yeah, I think the, the whole city of Ann Arbor is very fairy welcoming. Yes, very the urban fairies. I can't think of the artist's name, but I can link to his site too. But yeah, so that's, that's a thing. Fairies are a thing yes. in Ann Arbor. And that was kind of my thought when I heard it. I was like, am I hearing fairies? Because I don't know why children's spirits would be in the basement. I don't know either. But that was weird. And I'm I'm by far not the only person who has experienced that. And, and it is by the elevator specifically, which the there is a fairy door next to the elevator on the first floor. But I was in the basement. So right. I don't know. It was very strange. Half of me is sad because I've never had that experience. And half of me is happy having been in the basement so many times. Waiting for you or waiting for my husband. <laughs> like, oh, but also, all right, I'm okay without it. That's fine. That basement freaks me out enough. It freaks a lot of people out, especially people in the tea room. The basement honestly never freaked me out. It was the second floor. I fairly quickly, actually, I refused to go to the second floor by myself. If I was the only one in the building, I did not go to the second floor. Mm-hmm. I just, no, the atmosphere was very uncomfortable for me. And I just didn't, I didn't, and I told the other managers, like, I refuse to go up there when the store is closed and it's just me. And that concerned them a little bit because they're like, oh, why don't you feel safe? I'm like, I don't know what's up there. There's something up there and it makes me feel very uncomfortable. And I'm, no, I just won't do it. I will do it before the tea room person leaves, but I will not be up there by myself. I still, to this day, nope, not doing it. Yeah, that is very concerning, especially if you're the manager or the owner, though. Yeah, like, why won't my Why won't go up there? Yeah. Why are my employees afraid of their base of employment yeah but uh the fairy voices or the little girl voices were not the only voices that i heard there again none of this frightened me they really didn't but on the main floor in the front i was tidying the shelves whatever i was facing the shelf 
and I heard a woman behind me say, excuse me, as you do when you, you know, want a salesperson's attention. And so I turned around, ready, the words on my lips, oh, how can I help you? Nobody was there. I've asked other people if they've experienced that, and they said no. I don't know what that was, but that was really strange. And I looked around like, where'd she go? <laughs> but there was, I mean, there was no one near me. There was no one walking away from me. There was, there was just nobody there. Yeah. That oh, was, that's strange. Yeah, that was sort of weird. Oh, I was told several times um, by different employees who had been there longer than me about a former manager of the tea room. She left uh, right as I was starting. And she had carried on a conversation with a man. She was upstairs closing, you know, cleaning and everything, and carrying on a conversation with a man downstairs, and nobody was there. (laughs) She (laughs) swears it was this one particular guy, and he said, no, it wasn't me. I was gone. Like, don't you remember when I called up to you saying I was leaving? Because we would tell each other when we were leaving so that we knew. And she said, well, I thought you stayed. (laughs) And she swears it was him. He swears it was very much not him, emphatically not him. But she was talking to somebody. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I wasn't there for that one, but that was a pretty uh, famous story that got passed around quite a bit when I first started. And it was an actual conversation. It was a conversation. I don't know what the conversation was about. Okay. Because I did get this from the other employees that had worked with her. Right. But I don't know. Weird. Yeah. I hope it wasn't just that guy trying to trick her. I don't think so, because okay. I know him, and he's such a sweet, innocent boy. Okay. Oh, <laughs> oh. I, I, I just want to make sure, you know, I want to cover was, bases. I feel like he was hurt kind of in a way. He's like, it wasn't me. Oh, poor but kid. I, I, Sorry, I don't mean to blame you. Never mind, it probably wasn't you. I apologize. I, I, when he says it wasn't him, I do believe him. Okay. It wasn't him. But who was it? I don't know. I don't know. There was also, again, an employee on the second floor one night, and she was doing a smoke cleanse of the building with sage and things and she suddenly heard a man yelling from the main floor and she was the only person in the building when she did this there was nobody else there and thinking maybe it was the owner had come in and was upset for some reason she went rushing downstairs to say like oh no no it's just me it's okay and nobody was there oh great Um, but she did encounter at the bottom of the stairs like this overpowering terrible smell she said like an unwashed body or something. Like that. It was this horrible smell mm-hmm. from the base of the stairs. And that's where she had heard the yelling was from the bottom of the stairs. And the smell was there just for a moment and then it was gone. wonder if that was the same guy. Yeah. So these are two stories about a man talking, being upset. And then we thought, well, maybe this, maybe the spirit is upset that you were trying to cleanse him. Maybe. Like, I don't but know. I'm going to, we still, there's still more. We're not even done. I do find it weird because the store gets smudged or cleansed often right yeah every morning uh that's part of the opening routine it's 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 really calm and peaceful i actually really like doing it yeah but not the upstairs usually that's up to the discretion of the tea room oh okay because i'm like floor does and that's why i feel like a lot of the things i've experienced have been on the second floor and in the basement Mm -hmm. except for this woman's voice and then the book jumping off the shelf (laughs) (laughs) I never felt uncomfortable on the main floor or in the basement, honestly. No, I find it floor. I find it strange, though, that you would cleanse the building, at least part of the building, every morning. And yet there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. A lot of people have had, including you, have had a lot of experiences. Well, and we're not, it's not like we're trying to banish positive things or neutral things. It's specifically kind of cleansing out the negative energy, starting fresh, a new day. Kind That's of thing, true. Which was a really, I think it's a really beautiful ritual to start the day that way. Kind of starting new, fresh attitude. Let's get this thing going. 
whatever's going on with you, put it to bed. Right. Like, yeah, I, I, I always thought that was a really beautiful way of opening. I do, too. I like that. It's, it sets you up for a good day, whether or not that good day stays. Who knows? Right. But <laughs> at least you but, start off that way. Yeah, it's just you take a moment, you kind of walk around and just be quiet. And, like, it's just, yeah, it's really Some people mm-hmm. say prayer. Some people chant. Some people are just silent. I was usually silent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just really nice. That sounds nice. But apparently didn't stop this guy from <laughs> yelling. <laughs> being upset about something. Something, yeah. Maybe he felt like he was being chased away and he was yelling at her. I don't know. It was really interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This was after I left. It might have been before the store opened. I can't remember now. But I was, again, only person in the building. And something whispered my name. But I had been gone a while. Um, I had left working there full time. And now I, I do sub shifts and I work with the journal and stuff. So I don't actually work in the store very often. Certainly not like I used to. Um, and I was back for the first time in a while. And it was, yeah, something whispered my name. And I felt, it didn't feel threatening or anything. I just thought, oh, great. It knows my name. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Wonderful. But it it may have been just, oh, she's back. Like maybe it liked me. I did work there longer than a lot of people. Because like, like a lot of places in Ann Arbor, they hire students who are kind of transient. And I was there for over five years. so, And I was full-time for a while, too. So I don't know. It did have a chance to learn all about you. It did. It really did. And even before that, I would, I would go to the tea room to write before they hired me. So I spent a lot of time there. I don't know if it was kind of welcoming me back. Or what? But it was very strange that, yeah, I heard something whisper my name. And I was my first thought was, oh, great. I don't know how I feel about it, knowing my name. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's not a name. Around here, it's not a super uncommon name, but it's also not, on the grand scheme of things, a common name. So it's weird that it would be. Yeah, that, uh, that I would hear. Your that. name. It, your name, exactly. But again, like, not scary. No. Really not scary at all. A lot of times when I was on the main floor, I would hear footsteps. On the second floor, as soon as the tier in person said, hey, I'm out for the night, they turned off the lights, they left, it was just me. Within a couple of minutes, I would start hearing walking. And I worked on the main floor. I know what footsteps sound like on the second floor. Right, especially in that building. It's very distinct. It's, yeah, it's very distinct. It's an old building. It, they're the original floors, by the way. They're gorgeous. Mm-hmm. They've been restored. A lot of architect geeks come in and geek out over the floors. They look up and they're like, oh, my God, it's the original ceiling because they don't make it like that anymore. And they just go off and do a little... <laughs> Techno babble, and it's phenomenal to see. Um, I love that. So it's an old building. It makes noise. But if nothing's up there, you don't really hear a lot of noise. It's a, it's a very stable building. They, they did a wonderful job restoring it. And then a few minutes of tea room person leaving, I would start hearing, like, someone just walking back and forth above me. And it was really annoying. <laughs> it didn't scare me. They stayed above me. And, in fact... Might have been the same time as when I heard it say my name or not. But it was one a night when I was closing by myself. I had been gone for a while, and I came back um, doing a sub-shift, and I started hearing the walking, and I looked up, and I said, really? And they stopped. So you can talk back to the store. I was not afraid. I was very comfortable in that store. I'm still very comfortable in that store. Oh, yeah. It almost feels like a second home because I was there for a while. And I met a lot of really important people in my life there. That's true. So... So here we get to the phones. I believe I mentioned this earlier. AT&T hates us. Yes. <laughs> so the phones would sometimes ring and there's no one there. And that does happen sometimes to people. I mean, I don't think it ever happened to me growing up, but I've been told sometimes that that will happen with phones. I just raised my hand as if 
other people listening to this could hear me. <laughs> Sorry, I get wrapped up in our conversation and I'm like, oh, that's right. We're recording a podcast that's audio only. I raised my hand because growing up that happened a lot. And my mom liked to call anything that happened like that Mr. Nobody. But doors opened in our house a lot. I grew up in a haunted house. I totally did. Doors opened in our house a lot. And then often the phone would ring and it would just be dead on the other side. So I'm very very familiar. That never happened. I've lived in three different houses growing up. And then as an adult, I've lived in several houses. And now we don't have landlines. But when I did have landlines, no, that never happened to me ever. Yeah, it was a common occurrence at our house. We set up the answering machine. For that reason? For that, just so we would stop being annoyed by having to right. pick up the phone all the time. Yeah, it got really annoying. Yeah. Um, it happened so frequently there. And that's never happened at any other shop I've had either. But that happened fairly frequently. It, it seems to kind of go on for a while, like a couple weeks, and then it stops. There's also, it would make this horrific noise, like screaming. Like it was so loud. It's so obnoxious. It happened once and a customer said, oh, did your security alarm go off? And I said, no, that's the phone. It was so loud and so annoying and horrible. And the only way to get it to stop was if you went to one of the other phones and then called the main line. And then the noise would stop and it would ring. And I don't know who figured that out, but someone figured out that was how to make it stop. That's so strange. Oh, it's awful. It was so awful. Um, you could pick up the phone and it didn't matter. It would still make that horrible noise. You could unplug the phone and it would still make the horrible noise. It was terrible. And we called AT&T out several times to have them look at that. And Mm -hmm. all they said was, well, it's an old phone. It's an office phone. It's what are you talking about? (laughs) And I said, well, do old phones typically do this? And they said, no. Well, then why does this one? (laughs) If they don't do it, then why does this one? I I feel like they may have stopped coming out because we called them so many times to fix it. And they they were completely mystified by this. And it would eventually just stop. It would do it for like a few weeks or whatever. And then it would just stop. And then it would start doing it again. You know, maybe after we'd all quieted down and forgotten about it, start doing it again. <laughs> after we've all forgotten. Yeah, it was terrible. Oh, my goodness. And AT&T was just like, eh. They, yeah, their, <laughs> their solution was, well, it's an old phone. And we switched out the phone because we had others lying around. We switched out the phone. It didn't matter. Still did it. Take that, AT&T. Yeah. It's not I mean, their fault. They don't know what's no, happening. It's, it's never happened. Um, yeah, I mean, they did their best. Right. <laughs> they did their best for us. I'm not blaming AT&T. I don't believe it was their fault. Right. But, yeah, it was just like the water taps. It was shrug. I don't know what's happening. So, yeah, there's just, just weird stuff. And, I mean, you could try arguing, well, it's an old building. But, I mean, I've been in several old buildings in my life. And I feel like some of these are just, they're kind of they're unique. I agree. I think... At the extreme, I think I could say that, well, the footsteps might be the building settling. But having grown up in an old building, that's not what that sounds like. Yeah, because the building does make noise. It is old. I know what the creaking sounds like. There's creaking and then there's footsteps and they're they're different. And obviously I heard people walking above me all day long. Right. Yeah, it was... it was different. It wasn't just the normal creaks and groans that the building does because it certainly certainly does have noises. And I know one person said that she had seen the outline, I guess, of a man pass through the wall in the basement. And uh, one employee says that the ghost of a previous owner, one of the first owners, haunts the second floor from when it was a speakeasy, which that is located in what was the German side of town. 
And the Germans were extremely reluctant to give up their beer and their ciders during Prohibition. Yeah. And Ann Arbor tried to be... They got early on that Prohibition train. (laughs) They started early. There was a big fight between, like, the Germans and the Yanks is kind of what they called them. And the Germans were like, no, you will take my cider from my cold dead hands, my friend. (laughs) Pretty much. Um, So there was was a lot of more uh, activity in Prohibition on this side of town. So it... Could it have been a speakeasy? Yeah, absolutely, 100%. It could have been. Is there actual documented evidence of that? Not that I can find. No. But it very easily could be. It might not be documented, it being a speakeasy. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, what is that, a block, two blocks away, there is the blind pig. So, hey, also on the German side of town. Oh, yeah. Back then. Back then it was. Right. Now we are the everything side of town. (laughs) Pretty much. There is, what, Heidelberg? Uh, yeah, German restaurants there. Uh, it's like two blocks down, and then a block behind, I think, is Old German. I think is what it's called, a beer keller. I don't know. It's a really neat space. I've heard that. I think it's supposed to be haunted too, but I'd have to look that up. Um, but I mean, the Purple Gang was active in this area. Yeah, a lot of crazy stuff went down at that time. It's really fun. There's so much history on that. It's so fun to like to read. I love it. And then a lot of it we're going to be getting into eventually. But I kind of, I didn't want to get Crazy Wisdom over with, but I wanted to get to it early. Yeah, because there's so much. There's so much. And you just have a lot of good stuff to say about to You just have a lot of good stuff to say about it. And it's nice to hear about experiences that we're not just reading about in a book. Yeah. I mean, this is probably the first time you'll ever read or hear about Crazy Wisdom being haunted. Yeah. It's not on any websites. It's not on, it's not in any of our books. Nope. But yeah, I've, I've talked to the owners about it and, and they just think it's, Bill is, is one of the owners and he just thinks it's wonderful. He was so fascinated. He's like, oh, I want to hear all your stories. Oh, we should keep a log and then we should compare things, which is a great idea. Which is actually um, a really good yeah. idea. But when we were telling him, some of us employees were telling him some of our experiences, he just thought it was the coolest thing. He thought it was great. I don't know if he would let us investigate maybe. Oh, I hope so. But yeah, he's he's really into um, history. He loves having a historical building. He loves having all of the history. He has an old picture of the building framed in his office from, I think it's 100 years ago. And that's by far from the first. Uh, there used to be a book. The, the Ann Arbor Library very likely has it, um, old pictures of Ann Arbor. And there's one from the like, 1880s, I think. The oldest picture I've seen was from 1865. I do not know what book that's in. I haven't found it. They used to sell it at Crazy Wisdom. But yeah. they, they don't anymore, and I haven't found it at the library. I also can't remember the title, so that may be why I can't find it at the library. Is it one of the ones that we were looking through when we were going to make the ghost tour? No. Oh, okay. It wasn't. Then I have no idea. It was probably a local production, oh, I guess. Oh, fair. That's fair. Because there's a lot of that, too. There's a lot of publishing in Ann Arbor. It's great. Oh, it's awesome. But yeah, that's crazy wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone has any experiences, we I would love to hear them. I would love to share them with the staff. Yes, absolutely. I think the staff would really like hearing about them. It's not yeah. just you guys. <laughs> yeah. And other than those couple times of people being really spooked, I mean, the the tear person that had the glass almost fall on her, she certainly didn't leave because of that. Right. And then the one who had the book fall, she didn't leave because of that. She did refuse to go back there at close. Like, she took over the register from that point on. She's like, I'm not cleaning up the store after this. I'll do the money. You do everything else. And I was fine with that. <laughs> that sounds she fine. she didn't leave. Right. She wasn't scared enough to think, oh, gosh, I never, I can never come back here again. Yeah, so even when things sound scary, you'd be surprised how you react in the moment. That's very true. Like, you hear monstrous growling, and you're just like, where'd that come from? Lift up the couch cushions. 
Oh, must be a squirrel. Yeah. Raccoon, maybe. Yeah. No. It's a monster. Leave. Get out. It was a cat. It was, okay. Apparently. That's what she said. It was a cat spirit, and it was scared, and that's why it was growling. We will have multiple Ann Arbor episodes. Yeah. This is just... This is the tip of the iceberg, I think. I feel like there's not a ton written down or online about Ann Arbor. There's a few places that get mentioned all the time. And then I feel there are probably a ton of places out there, like Crazy Wisdom, that have stuff going on, but they're just not advertised that way. Right. And I can't wait to find those because that's what I want to find. <laughs> yes. So we have a lot more. All right. Well, there's more to Ann Arbor than just these, of course, but we think this is a very good start. We're going to come back to A2 a little later. For now, we'll leave it there with a few places you can visit and see for yourself. Check out Crazy Wisdom. Support your local bookstore and local tea room. We're excited to keep gathering information on Ann Arbor. It's a fascinating city with a lot of history and more spooks than we originally thought. So thank yeah. you for listening. Anything socially, socially, medially yeah. you'd like to share? Um. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Haunted Mitten. Yay! Um, we have a website now. It is hauntedmittenpodcast.weebly.com. We are a grassroots organization, people. We don't have the money for domain <laughs> names yet. <Nope>. So <laughs> whenever we can get that, we will be taking off that little Weebly part. But until then, you can find us at hauntedmittenpodcast.weebly.com. And if I have done it right... Our podcast will be on there as well, um, along with a blog detailing a little bit more about what you've heard and also has all of our sources and things like that, because I'm not going to sit here and read books to you. Only when I have. I actually didn't consult too many books for this one. This was definitely more of a website one. Yeah. There aren't too many books on Haunted Ann Arbor. Except for that one that fell on the floor. Well, it's mostly about homes, yes. private homes. So that's why I, I didn't use that. She doesn't talk about too many public places in that one. So. Yeah. And we're not going to talk about people's private homes. <laughs> no, only if they themselves make that available. Yes. But, otherwise. Otherwise, no, I'm not going to. No. So don't worry. We won't ever spill your beans. And if you want to comment on the podcast as well, you can go to our blog. Please do. If you have more info. More info, more stories, more links to Ann Arbor history that we have missed. We would greatly appreciate it. We need all the resources we can get. We'll take them all. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to Haunted Mitten.